Hello and welcome to Philly and the Over, a brand new Philadelphia-based sports gambling podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe Simonera. I'm joined by Shane Curran. Shane, tell us what's on tap for today. The Sixers, the Phillies, and more. All right, time to cash in. Joe, we are both back from our vacation hiatus from last week. And it's a it's an interesting time right now. The Phillies are in full gear. The Sixers uh, postseason, the NBA Summer League is wrapping up. The draft has wrapped up. A lot of the big free agents have signed, but the Sixers are still very much into making moves to try and improve their team. Uh, and B came out with comments recently saying that he wants to win a championship anywhere uh, rather than just in Philadelphia. So I guess we'll start where, there. Where, 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 where do you where do you come down on that? I, I have I have thoughts, but what was your, what is your take on it? So I did not hear the full interview. I mm-hmm. saw many of the the clippings of what he said, like in a paragraph. So I I don't know. Like I feel like emotion gets lost a lot when people talk like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you can't yep. truly capture that, and sometimes the essence of what a player is trying to communicate is lost just when you read it on text. That being said, I mean it's not great. Uh, I think the one thing that that you can fall back on is the fact that a lot of players who have won MVP, they can sort of say like, okay, now that gives me a little bit more leverage to, you know, us to win right now. Uh, And I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to say like, you know, we can't just, we can't waste. There's been talk of them wasting the season if they get rid of Harden and then just open Mm -hmm. up cap for next year when Mm -hmm. Tobias's contract falls off. Right. I I think Embiid is, is coming out to just say like, let's not do that. If, uh, on, on his comments, I I'm not I'm not my my panties are not in a bunch about it. I I, I it just he said it at like a weird film festival where he was getting interviewed on some kind of like panel. It wasn't like he went on ESPN and was talking to Stephen A. Smith and and made these comments. It was just sort of like it almost just felt like a nothing. Like you know he just I want to win a championship and and it is kind of weird that he throws in you know in Philly or not, but that's that's how Joel Embiid is like, that's, that's the kind of guy he is. Um, so I, you know, I think that was a little bit, you know, a little bit, uh, but I'm not worried about it. I think that it just, it's just fodder to, to talk about. Um, now, now, you know, you mentioned if, if they just focus on, you, you know, next year and signing for, I mean, you, you have the best player in the NBA. He's, he's got the trophy now. So you have number one and then, by all expectation, all accounts, Tyrese Maxey this season should be a top 20 player in the league. He 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 should be there. And again, that's provided that Harden's not back on the team because then it really is Maxey's show. So I just think you have that, like you have a chance to win. And of course, you know, the pieces that that Maury's currently building around with like six guys who are six foot 10 on the roster or above is, is kind of odd. Patrick Beverly. I don't really think he can play anymore. Kind of odd. Um, but I think you, you should be able to win when you haven't beat. And I know Maury goes on the radio yesterday and said something along the lines of, you know, he needs to be, he needs to have a top player with him. Well, he's, he's the top, he's a top player and, and I get it. But, but I, I just, I just think that you always have a chance of winning and look, we're going to talk about hard and, trade scenarios in a second i i just i don't think there is a i just don't think there's a world where he doesn't get moved by the start of the season i i, I just think that has to happen we talked about it a while ago um 
you know, Maury, you know, you mentioned it. Maury just has this good relationship with Harden. So it's not like they're going to get into some nasty Harden holding out and refusing to play thing. I, I don't think. I, I just I just think it, a deal gets done. I think a deal gets done with the Clippers, and I think it's probably closer than, than we think. But uh, th- those are just my my two cents. I just think Embiid should be able to win a championship because he's Joel Embiid. Philly's just lost in a disgraceful fashion. We'll talk about that later. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just think that uh, I, I really I really do think that you're Joel Embiid. It should be. I'm on the team, so therefore we have a chance to win a championship. That that's the mentality I think he needs, as opposed to I want. I just want to win. I want to win. I'll put people around me to make me win. No, you you won the MVP. You 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 go win. Is Mo Bamba the best backup center Embiid's ever played with? No, uh, no, I think Andre Drummond is. Oh, okay. I think I think Drummond. I is. thought you were going to go with Howard. I forgot about him. Um. You know, I, I think Mobamba. I think Mobamba is definitely the he's best. D- he's offensive. different. Oh yeah, he's the best offensive uh, backup center. Um, we'll see. I mean, some of the other guys were more of just like go in there and make sure you get the rebound. Uh, yeah, where this guy exactly. can actually stretch a floor and score. So yeah. I think it's going to bring a different uh, a different mentality to the team. I mean, you see it a little bit with Reed, but I think Mobamba actually has a lot more talent than Reed on the offensive end at this point in his career. So you can see like the possibilities of you know if Harden is on the team, those, those, you know, uh, pick and rolls where he just gets yeah. those easy lobs. I could see that happening yeah. four or five opportunities a game. Um, and then also, you know, his opportunity to when Harden is on the floor, when, when Maxi is in the floor to really stretch it out to the three point line, because Mobamba does have a nice shot. As you saw when he dropped, what was it? 21 points in a quarter against the Sixers, uh, before MB went off for 50 in that game. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's offensively. I think it's the best backup center that we've had. I don't know overall just because of uh, of some of the other things like the rebounding. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Bamba was was a very, 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 very unpolished player when he came out of college. But, you know, the the intangibles, I guess, were there. Um, but then he goes, to, you know, we, we talked about this when we, we did a, you know, an NHL and NBA draft preview where the situation matters a lot. And I think this is just a much better situation for Bamba than, than, you know, just, just wasting away in Orlando where uh, no one cares. It, it's, it's just a total nothing. I, I think that, that, you know, and, and he, uh, he went to high school around here somewhere. Like one of the, uh, it was West town that he went to or something. One of the like boarding basketball high school things. Um, so I think that, you know, I think that that stuff, I think that stuff factors in. I just think it's a better situation for him. So I do expect big things from him this year. Um, but then I'm, you know, I, I scratch my head as to, uh, you know, Montrose Harrell. I scratch my head as to uh, uh, Philip Petrushev, who they they drafted a couple of years ago. Um, so I'm I'm just a little I'm a little confused as as of right now the makeup of the team and and Maury said you know in a recent interview that that he understands why you know fans would be would be concerned, but he said you know don't don't worry about it. It's it's July, and I'm like well, you know, it's July July nineteenth. You know, tonight as, as we record this, I'm getting a little worried because they don't seem to have three point shooting. They don't seem to have wings, and the offers for James Harden don't seem to be, uh, you know, what what Maury is expecting in return for for a player of Harden's caliber. So I'm I'm a little worried. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely reason to be worried at this point. Uh, I think you know, as we saw with Maury and the Simmons situation. He doesn't really care if it plays out into the season as long as he has the team that he wants going into the playoffs. I think what I've learned over the past few years, though, when you think of the Durant trade last year to Phoenix and you think of the, who was it, the Harden trade the year before to the mm-hmm. Nets, uh, these it 
chemistry matters, right? Especially when you get to the playoffs, chemistry matters. And even some of these players who are some of the biggest stars in the game, right. And can like Durant can literally pick up a ball on any court and hole, be able to fit in, right. He can fit in on any team. It Mm -hmm. still matters to have that chemistry. And I think developing that earlier in the season, uh, especially if you're trying to get a top guy, I think that, uh, I think that's really important. And I think the other thing we have to, we have to understand is, I, I, I mean, if we don't yield a superstar for, for James Harden, which I'm okay with that. I'm okay with taking, uh, and, and again, I, I, I use the Clippers just because that's always been a sort of a rumor, but like I'm, I'm okay with, with a, uh, with a Robert Covington, bringing him back. Um, I'm okay with a Terrence man. I'm, I'm okay with, with these types of players, because I think the other thing you have to factor in is, you know, if you're moving Tobias Harris from the fourth option on offense to the third, behind Embiid and Maxi, I think that makes him a totally different player because I do think Harris is a yeah. good offensive player. That's where last he's year, made he, his bones. He had his lowest usage rate yeah, of, the, just... of his entire career and yep. since he's been a starter. And he was asked to be our best defender on defense for I... a majority of the game, which that's yeah. not what he is. And no. he, honestly, that dude didn't complain once last year about that. No, no. So I, yeah, I think that you're, you know, it's not, it, I mean, it, you know, James Harden is a great player. I wish he would have just stayed with the Sixers for another year and made another run at this. Um, and, and you know, I wish we could, we would have traded Tobias Harris. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. But, you know, now that we're on to, you know, plan B, it appears, I, I do think that, you know, it, it is a little bit of addition by subtraction because Harris will become a better player when he's has more stuff ran for him on the offensive end of the court. He's going to be a more productive player. People are going to realize that. I mean, the guy, you know, when, when he was, was when he was with, with the Clippers, with, with Detroit, he scored all the points. He was a big-time scorer. That's why he gets gets paid what he gets paid. But now, you know, he just kind of gets gets mixed into the fold. So I think, you know, what, what the return for, for Harden doesn't, you, you know, you have to get fair value, but you don't need to have, you know, oh, this guy just put the Sixers over the edge. They're going to win the championship because I think the pieces are are there. Um, and hey, everyone loves Nick Nurse, so so you know I don't want to hear any complaints about the coaching. So you have the coach now in place. So let's, let's go ahead and go ahead and win. I, I mean, that, that's that's the level of talent I think already on the team. So I, I you know I'm okay with a deal that gets us some draft picks, gets us some role players, things like that. Uh, guys who can defend, make threes. That's all very important stuff in, in what Nick Nurse is going to try to do. So let's take a look at some of those options. I put together seven different trade scenarios that I ran through the trade machine. So all of these actually can happen based on salary. And uh, yes, all of them were approved by the NBA trade machine. Uh, I have seven of them. They're all including Harden. So I didn't include any that are just Tobias Harris because at this point, Mm -hmm. it seems like uh, Harden is the one that's going to be moved. So the first one. Um, The other thing that, that I found really interesting, these ended up becoming very complex because because of the salaries that are involved in Harden's trade, you need to include multiple teams. So I think four is the lowest number of teams in all of these trades. So uh, the first one, the 76ers get uh, Bojan Badanovic from the Pistons, Buddy Heald from the Pacers. The Pacers get DeAndre Ayton from the Suns and Ish Wainwright from the Suns. The Suns get James Harden, and the Pistons get Miles Turner from the Pacers, Furkan Korkmaz from the Sixers, Bobo from the Suns, and a Phoenix Suns 2024 first round pick. Okay. Um, I'm going to focus on the Sixers aspect of that. And the return again was healed and Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. And you're giving up, it Harden. sounded Harden and Korkmaz. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's a deal for me. 
That's so that that goes into some like what you're mentioning. You're not getting that star in return, no. but you're getting those those role players that you need. You're getting more shoot, three point shooting from exactly both exactly. You're you're getting you're getting what you desperately need. I think at this point. Okay. All right. So the first and, one you're in. And did you so so when when did you put these together? Uh, within the past few days. All right. So yeah. Okay. I'm gonna because I think there's gonna be. Well, I just think there's gonna be the threat. Is it like? I don't I don't need a 6'10 guy in return for James Harden at this point. Like that's okay. almost just just out of it for me. That'll almost okay. definitely be a no at this point. All right. So this next one we get uh we get crazy. Oh, the, the Sixers get CJ McCollum and Bull Bull. The Trailblazers <laughs> get Zion Smith. A lot of these guys, besides the big name stars, they're all just yeah. like tossing players. Like yes. it really didn't matter. They're all just tossing players for salary. Mm-hmm. So the Trailblazers get Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. They get uh Two other throw-in players. We'll leave it at that. The Pelicans get Damian Lillard, DeAndre Ayton, and two first-round picks. And the Suns get James Harden. So, in essence, it's Harden for McCollum. McCollum, no, no. Okay. No, I, don't, I would I would not be interested in that deal. All right. I'm, I'm uh, ball ball, really. No, no interest. <laughs> All right. The next one, uh, this is interesting. So, the, the Sixers get R.J. Barrett. And Emmanuel quickly, both from the Knicks. The Pelicans get DeAndre Ayton and three first round picks. The Knicks, uh, three first round picks from the Knicks. The Knicks get Zion and two throw in players, and the Suns get James Harden. So the Sixers are trading Harden for RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. Uh, that I'm in for. I, I think Barrett, I, th- I really like RJ Barrett. I, I yeah, really think that, that guy's that's that guy's kind of the player, player I'm looking for. Like, yeah. a, like yeah. he's listed as a shooting guard, but I'm really looking for like that. That pretty much a Tatum mm-hmm. or Brown, like that mm-hmm. type of body to be able to guard those guys on defense, just like that athletic wing. Yep. Yep. That that's 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 gonna be a really important thing, I think, for for the Sixers because um with Harris coming back, they're they're not gonna start uh PJ Tucker. I don't I mean even even with if Harden does come back, I I think and, and more alluded to it, you could be looking at uh Maxi Melton. Harden, Harris, and Bede. Because I think that Maury said in his interview that he thinks there's a, he doesn't not sure what Nurse is going to do, but there's a good chance he thinks that Melton is in the starting lineup. Um, so you're you're not going to play PJ Tucker and um it's so and, interesting because that's completely Harris different the, from the, same time. the lineup that Nick Nurse had the past few years where they were all like six well, foot eight guards. He, yeah, it was it, well, yeah, he did have I mean he, there were so many unique he he had a lot of very 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 unique players <laughs> in uh, Toronto. Um not not even including Kawhi, just just in, in OG and 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 Pascal Siakam and guys like guys like that. But well, uh, let's talk about some of those unique players cuz that's well, in the next trade. OG The Bulls get OG and Anobi and Tyler Hero. The Sixers get Zach Levine and Pascal Siakam. The Heat get Tobias Harris and James Harden. The Raptors get Kyle Lowry. It's pretty much a bunch of seller jumps. Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, uh, Nikola Jovic from the Heat, their prospect. Mm -hmm. Two first-round picks from the Sixers and two first-round pick from the Heat. So in this one, the Sixers are getting off of uh, Harris's contract. They're trading James Harden and two first-round picks, and they're getting Zach Levine and Pascal Siakam. I, I mean, I would do that in a heartbeat. I think that that's a that that that's that. I mean, the, you know, these are these are certainly wishes, but uh, yeah, that that would be like close to the ideal players I want. I, and and I know Levine. I, I mean, he's killed the Sixers, but in other games you watch him play, um, I I think he does 
you know, take a lot of shots. He needs a lot of shots uh, and that might not, not mesh, but I think he's a phenomenal offensive player. Like that's a guy I've, I've always really enjoyed watching and not just for the dunks and things like that. Um, I think he's a really good offensive player. Would, would he fit in here? I mean, if, you know, again, you're, you're pushing Harris to backseat, but if you could, if you could get rid of Harris and, and Harden and then have a guy like Levine, you're going Maxi Levine. And I mean, that that's, that's an awesome team. And then you had Pascal Siakam who, who was, you know, and no, no slack either. So I think Siakam's um, actually the best player in that trade because of his ability to, like, he can create for himself and he can create for others. Mm-hmm. And I think him and Embiid would actually fit very well together. Um, and then with Z- with Levine, I mean, you're losing, right? You're losing the offense of Harden, the playmaking ability of Harden. But I think Levine brings back enough of that yeah. that he can, like, his own shot creation. Max right now can get to the rim whenever he wants. He can knock down threes. Yep. I think Levine brings enough. Like both Levine and Siakam together bring enough playmaking on offense uh, that I think uh, I think it'd be a, a hell of a return for the Sixers. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, that, that would be that would be the uh, dream scenario. I think. All right, we got three left. The this one's pretty straightforward. The Sixers get Damian Lillard, the Suns get James Harden, the Trailblazers get DeAndre Ayton. Um, yeah, DeAndre Ayton, Furkan Korkmaz, three other throw-in players, two first-round picks from the Suns, two first-round picks from the Sixers. Yeah, uh, done deal for me. Yeah, easy. Love Lillard. Yeah. All right, let's see. And they're they're you know it, it's weird though because this has been more more is such an interesting character. I mean, a, a lot of times like you know we've had two separate instances of of Lillard momentum building and Levine momentum building, and this is you know in the last month, and then nothing comes of it, and it's weird because a lot of times when you know that stuff starts getting reported like a deal happens, but more, just doesn't operate like that. It's, 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 it's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, the way, the way the guy operates and, and you, you know, you kind of have yeah. to just, I mean, he, he uses, it, but. yeah, he like, even this week, like playing, mm-hmm. calling into the media, the radio shows yeah. and talking about like, Oh no, we have to have a star return. His expectations are so high that oh, so other, funny. I, and he I, continues to iterate on it that it just, by the time he comes down just a little bit, it seems like a good deal for another team. Yeah. I, I love when, when, the reports of like the return he wants for Harden get re- get reported and same with, with, with Ben Simmons <laughs> when, when he was trading him, it's, it's hilarious. All right. So this one's very similar. The Sixers get Lillard, the Clippers in this instance, get Harden and Korkmaz and the trailblazers get Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Montrez Harrell, two first round picks from the Sixers, two first round picks from the Clippers. I'm sorry. The Sixers get, they give up two first round picks, two first rounds, and Harden and Korkmaz for Lillard. I would, yeah, I would still do it. I mean, if they're, yeah. if we're talking, you know, the next two drafts, first rounds, or they, I don't even when the Sixers have the next first, do they have a first the, round pick next year. They do next year, the 2025, okay. they owe to the uh, Nets. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I would probably still do it. All right. The last one here, this is the most complicated one of the bunch. I'm going to save the Sixers for last. The Clippers get, uh, this is a five-team trade. (laughs) Clippers get James Harden and Tyler Hero. The Heat get Damian Lillard. The Suns get Marcus Morris, Yusuf Nurkic, and a first-round pick. The Trailblazers get Tobias Harris, DeAndre Ayton, Terrence Ross, two first-round pick from the Heat. And the Sixers get Paul George and Kyle Lowry. I, I mean, I would, I would do it. I think 
Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to piece it all together. I mean, so you're essentially trading Corkmaz again and Harden for and Harris and, and, and Harris for George and Lowry. Um, yeah, I would do it. I would do it. I think that opens up a lot of possibilities too, and in, in you know moving forward as, as well for so, a lot of those teams. When you're when you're you know trading an expiring contract the size of Harris, is it's it's. So it's going to be really interesting when when Maury comes out and does like a one for one trade and all these all these well, go going to uh, the ways. But it seems like there it's going to need to be a very complicated scenario in order to get a type of return in which he wants, just because of the the way yeah. the contracts are and the CBA. So uh, the the question I have for you is: in some of those scenarios, the Sixers are getting a decent return, right? They they get a player back from the Bulls or they get a player back from Toronto. In some of those instances, other teams that they have to compete against are getting better. So would you be willing to do that type of trade if you think that the Heat are going to be better by either adding James Harden or adding uh, Lillard and being involved in one of those trades uh, in order to get off Harden, possibly get off Harris, to, in, in essence, to make your team better, knowing that the Heat are going to be a better team as well? I making the, Making the Heat better on paper and then better on the court are two very different things. Just because because of because of Jimmy Butler and and I think that um, as good as he is, he needs a very specific group of running mates. And I don't know that Damian Lillard. I don't know that anyone really fits. Like, I mean, I, obviously the Sixers were a fluke away from going to the finals with him, and very well could have won it. And he, you know, he fit him well. I mean, I despise Brett Brown, so you could look at that situation either either way. You know, and and of course you can be one of the people that say, well, they kept Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler, um, which is all you heard about all through the playoffs. Um, but, but I think that the Butler is, is a unique player. Um, I don't, I don't know that a guy like, I, I, I mean, I think that ultimately that does work with, with a coach like Spolstra. Um, but I would be, I would, I wouldn't hesitate to do a deal like that. That makes the heat appear to be better. I think that, I think that, you know, I, I if we, if we got our crack at the heat, I think we, we could have beaten them this year, but um you know, didn't happen, but, but I'm not like, that wouldn't be the team that I'm that concerned about. I'm concerned about Jason Tatum winning the MVP next year. Um, and the Celtics just, just taking off again. Um, those things would, would concern me a little bit more than, uh, than the heat getting a player. If that's, you know, the example of the team we're using. Place your bets. All right, Shane, let's slide over to the MLB. I had a little outburst earlier in the evening here on the, uh, on the show because the Phillies lost, uh, five to three to the Brewers tonight. So, uh, the rubber match is tomorrow, um, afternoon. Yeah, Brewers are a really, really good team. You don't expect to to sweep out everybody. Um, ultimately, Brewers bullpen was a little bit better, but uh, the reason I had my outburst was the Phillies had first and third with one out, bottom of the ninth, down two runs. Um, and I, I think they put on a hit and run uh, with Stott on first, and Stott got thrown out um, um, on a strike, gets thrown out. Uh, Harper doesn't advance home. You don't get a run out of it. I I, I like the aggressiveness against a really good closer in, in Devin Williams and the Brewers. It doesn't work out, but but the Phillies are playing um, playing you know much much better baseball in the last last couple of weeks. It seems like uh, uh, you know Castellanos had a home run tonight, but he he's been slumping a little bit uh, right before and right after the All Star break. Hopefully, gets out of that. Trey Turner. Still looks clueless at the plate, although uh, uh, hitting a little bit better uh, as of as of late. Harper reported to play with 101 fever tonight, and he still had two hits because Bryce Harper. Um, you know, but you're you're getting good pitching, and and you know, I think that 
you know, the Phillies are going to win a lot of games and, and they have the talent to do that. And if Turner turns it on, then you're, then you're talking about a deep postseason run again. Uh, but, but the story today that, that we need to address is uh, uh, involving Andrew Painter, who is the Phillies top prospect, um, who a lot of people expected to make the, make the five man rotation as a 20 or even 19 year old, I guess he, he would have turned 20 not too long ago um, coming out of, out of spring training, although he had some um, elbow soreness and then they, uh, they, basically worked with him in a kind of a rehab capacity with it. Um, and it looks like, uh, upon further, uh, further, uh, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is on review, but analysis, whatever medical review, um, he's going to need Tommy John surgery, which, which sucks. And it shells him for a year. Um, I mean, the, the good news is he could be on the Phillies five man rotation in 2025 when he's 22 years old. So yeah, having, having a guy uh, that young and that, that talented, you obviously want to be very, very careful with him, uh, but it sucks. It, it sucks for um, a young, young guy like that. He, he is going to go see that guy, uh, Dr. L. Atrachi in LA. Uh, I believe he was going there today. Um, and if uh, this, this guy who is an expert on, on Tommy John surgery, um, determines that he, he does indeed need it, then he'll have that on Wednesday. So, um, you know, uh, hope for the best for Andrew Painter. Hope yeah, a lot of guys return from Tommy John now just as, just as, as good. If they've not even, some guys have extended their careers quite a bit after getting Tommy John. Um, so, you know, we, we hope for the best for him, but, uh, um, it, it just, it, it's a, it's a setback, but hopefully a, a minor setback to a, uh, to a major comeback for, for Andrew Painter. Um, and you know the other thing with with Painter is he's been coming up in in the news quite a bit because, uh, you know, back in in the later two thousands, the Phillies were 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 very big on selling the farm to uh, attain players they felt would put them over the edge. And uh, one guy who seems to want out of his current situation is Juan Soto. So there are, you know, we just did the James Harden trade machine. There are Juan Soto trade rumors uh, swirling and and. A lot of people are just saying, fine, give him Painter for Soto and, and other players. Uh, bring him in. It's going to put the Phillies in a position to win a World Series. I'm, I'm not on board with it. I, I don't think that we're at a point where we need to sell the farm because, like I said, if you get a guy like Trey Turner hitting, well, then you're a totally different team. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, uh, not in that camp. I'm not pressing that kind of a panic button. What you do need is arms. Um, you know, Chris Sanchez has been an admirable, you know, fifth starter, but you probably want to want to solidify that that spot um, right there. He he got roughed up a little bit today, but battled. Um, so I think that there could be a trade made by the deadline by. Uh, Sam Fold and Dave Dombrowski. I think it'll be for a pitcher. I don't think they're going to make a huge splash in in this uh, uh, at this trade deadline. I don't think. So is uh, Painter untouchable for you, or would you include him in a trade for someone like Otani? Uh, had he, well, if he becomes available, because now you are getting that yeah. arm back in return, uh, in addition to a hitter that of the quality of of Soto. And let's let's just just dive into that because there's another guy who it's looking more and more like he's going to get traded at the trade deadline. Well, the and, Phillies currently have the third best odds to land him. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so I think that for, well, I, I, I don't think that there's, there's an argument to be made at this point that, that there's ever been a baseball player more talented than Shohei Otani. And, you know, granted, you're not going to factor in his his stats in Japan. Um, so his his number is not going to have the most home runs ever. He's not going to have the most wins ever. He's not going to have the most strikeouts ever. But he's dominating. He, he leads the MLB in home runs. He, he has he has a, you know, 
basically gives you seven strong innings every single time he comes out out to pitch, although he was dealing with a little like blister issue before the All-Star break. Um, but I think the guy's the most talented baseball player ever. So you're looking at a franchise in Los Angeles that had the best player of, of his time in Mike Trout, and now who I will have no problem calling. I mean, and we're not, we're not talking about numbers. We're talking about talent. Because he does it, he does it both, and he does both things extremely well. The most talented baseball player ever in Shohei Otani, and you can't get into the playoffs. I know you it's can't. Crazy. You can't put a season together. It's so it's crazy, nuts. It's absolutely crazy. So the odds opened at minus one twenty that uh, he would minus one twenty on both sides that he would either stay or be traded. The most recent odds as of right now. Uh, will he be traded? Yes, is plus 125 and no is minus 160. So it looks a little bit more like he might be staying there. The odds for who's going to land them. So the land top, him in free, free agency? No, or, to land oh, him in a trade. In a trade, okay. Yep. Right. Uh, if they decide to move him, the Dodgers and Yankees are tied at the top at plus 350. And then okay. right behind them are the Phillies at plus 500, the Mets at plus 600. The Mariners at plus eight hundred, and that starts to it starts to uh, climb a little bit. But you, you got to think it's a lot of those California teams, so you can stay close to Japan. It's uh, San Diego, San Francisco, teams like that. You know, I think I have an ant crawling on my microphone here. Uh, hold on. There we go. All right, I think um, yeah. So for the for the Phillies to to get Otani, you're you're certainly talking about Painter. Uh, you might be talking about Mick Abel too. So there go your two best arms. Um, you're, you're probably talking about Crawford, who who is was their their first round pick, um, a draft to go, who is is just tearing it up. It seems like another really good draft pick uh, by the Phils. Um, the kid you just took, Aiden Miller. You're probably trading him. Um, so I mean, you're it, you're legitimately selling the farm. And would uh, you do that for a one year rental? Listen, the, the guy signed with if, the Angels for a reason. Here, right? here's, he signed with the Angels because he right. wants to be close to. Japan. And that's that's the whole point. That's the whole thing with this. He's not going to stay in Philadelphia. So, and he's not the kind of guy like, yeah, yeah. You could probably, you very well could win a World Series, bring him over um, this year. Uh, and if if that's ultimately worth not competing in, you know, yeah. say three four years from now. I mean, you got you got a fact. You have Turner forever, and you have Harper forever. Yeah. So you need to so you, you need to, to have these young going. arms coming up with those guys while they're still in their prime. Totally the other agree. thing is, I, I just it, it would it would it boggle the mind if he doesn't end up Seattle, Dodgers, Giants. I, I just I just or you know the Yankees obviously have a, have a history with you know a guy like Hideki Matsui um, who came over from Japan. But I I do think that um, like like you said, you're you're going to be you know closer to home um on, on the west coast and also you know especially seattle and san francisco san francisco have a huge japanese population so i mean you're, you're talking like you're talking a a uh superstar of just unrivaled proportions for either for if, if seattle you know obviously Ichiro was was something but but this guy's a, a different animal and i mean Ichiro is one of the 100 best players of all time probably so so does um, it i mean does it make sense to even trade for this guy i mean if you're one of those teams oh, that, that think no. that you're going to get him yeah. in the offseason just wait it out right well yeah or you offer i don't know you know nothing because he's going to leave so if you're yeah, the dodgers so what are you going to offer him so um I, I i don't think otani ends up on the phillies but i do think that um you know it's tough on the East Coast, but I, I would implore everyone to, if you have a chance to watch them, um, you should, because it's, I mean, the guy's the most talented baseball player to ever live. And, and he's playing, you know, right now. And, you know, I was, I, I was 
I knew we were going to talk about a tiny little bit. And I was thinking about it and it's like, I don't really remember seeing Gretzky play, but, but both just his, his skill level and the numbers kind of, kind of met to make him the most dominant player in any sport ever. Um, and that's, that's like, somebody's going to come and say like, well, this soccer player, and I'm going to tell them to shove it up their ass. Cause there's no, there's no debate. We could do a whole episode on Wayne Gretzky stats and it's just, it's, no one's no one's like like Mario Lemieux is not even close Gordie Howe not even close Connor McDavid not even close Cindy Crosby not even close like no one's anywhere near this guy Connor Bedard will be nowhere close it's incredible but anyway I think that we're, we're at a time where we had you know the end of Michael Jordan LeBron James we have Shohei we saw the end we saw the end of Wayne Gretzky uh, we saw all of Tom Brady like like if you're 33 34 years old right now you've seen like guys that are arguably going to go down as the best to ever do it in a lot of sports it's kind of kind of crazy to think about but uh, yeah it's Tani's not going to be on the Phillies, but the Phillies are going to keep winning. Tough, tough stretch of games ahead. They they got to finish up with uh, the Brewers. Then you got to deal with um, you got to deal with the Orioles, who are uh, like twenty games over five hundred, which is which is wild to think about. Actually, you have, I'm sorry, you have Cleveland next, who uh, yeah, like five hundred team, and you got to go to Cleveland. But then you get the O's, um, which will be a tough tough series there. But uh, you just got to keep winning games. They're they're currently third in the wild card. Um, you just have to keep winning. Everyone's winning a lot of games in in, in the National League this year, so got to keep winning. Place your bets. All right, Shane. Last story before we, we get out of here. This is one that that kind of happened when we were taking a little break. Um, uh, but but more has come to light, and this is the Northwestern football story. And and of course, this is you know apropos of this podcast because uh, you know they're in they're in the Big Ten. Um, so here's basically what what went down is uh, there was accusations of hazing within the football program, uh, Northwestern. Um, University hired an outside firm to come and investigate, uh, came to investigate those allegations, uh, found a lot of truth in them, um, that there were rampant hazing, a lot of it of a, of a sexual violent nature. Um, they also uncovered that Northwestern head football coach and Northwestern football, Pat Fitzgerald, because he is that entire program, uh, did not know anything about it um, from what they uncovered. Uh, but Northwestern still fired him, which which at the time I said, that's kind of quick. That's kind of odd. And especially in the letter announcing that they're firing him, they're saying that he didn't know anything about the hazing. You have to have control of your organization, no matter, you know, what if you're the CEO of a company, the head coach of a football team, you have to have control over every aspect. Ultimately, you are responsible. So, um, you know, that's fine that, that, that he gets fired. It was surprising to me that Northwestern made such a huge investment to keep him at Northwestern when he very well could have went to Ohio state when Urban Meyer left that, you know, he damn near took the job. And I, there was a story about a booster who had to fly from Aruba on vacation, take a <laughs> private jet, go to Fitzgerald's house, say, what do you want? Fitzgerald said, I need a giant state-of-the-art practice facility right on Lake Michigan. The guy said done and they kept them. Now you have that with an awful football team and an awful coach. What bothers me the most about this story though, is, and again, I'm going to relate it back to, to Penn state because this, you know, we're in Philadelphia. We are Penn State fans. I'm a Penn State fan. But I remember when everything happened with Sandusky, every, every, everyone was so ready to just ruin it for the players that without batting an eye. And we're talking about players who weren't at Penn State, didn't know Sandusky, couldn't have known anything was happening. And everyone was ready to attack them and ruin their, their college experience, ruin their college careers. Now you have all the players at Northwestern, they're at fault. So where is everybody? Where, where is everybody? They should be canceling that season. Every single one of those guys should be, you know, when they can, when they can figure out exactly who did it, they should release their names. The charges should be pressed. I mean, you're talking about rape. So 
you're looking at jail time for some of these guys. They, of course, should be kicked off the team, and they shouldn't be allowed to play football this season. That should be totally canceled. They should shutter their beautiful practice facility. Where is everybody? The outcry against Penn State was enormous. And now this is just like, I don't know, nothing. And and the heinousness of the, the crimes, you know, we don't need to c- compare them. And I, I understand that there's a difference um, between, you know, hazing, you know, a, a college player or and, you know, what, what Sandusky did. But but the nature of them and 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 the the aspect of their violence is, is somewhat similar to it. And, and, you know, again, very, very much different. I'm not, you know, obviously not condoning anything. But where are all these self-righteous people, the holier than thou people that came out and just attack, attack, attack Penn State players, the players who had nothing to do with it. And now it's all about the players. The coach didn't know anything about it. Why are they getting attacked? Where, where is it? I want names. I want arrests. Where Where is it? It has to come out, right? You don't fire the guy who is Northwestern football, who you put all this money into. It, it would shock me that, that they do that if there's not more to it. And then these players are going to get names named. And I don't want to, you know, look, I'll hear all sides of the story and wait until the dust is completely settled. But review after review, I mean, the one the one that you know, report that came out today was it was rampant uh, sexual hazing. Like, and, and not just the football team, the football team, baseball team, the baseball coach was also fired and the softball team. I don't know about the softball coach or, or where that stands, but why aren't we attacking the players now who are actually at fault when back in 2011, a bunch of innocent guys were getting, getting, you know, hung out to dry. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's what bothers me the most about this. Sounds like you are in favor of the court of public opinion. And that very well may be the case in, in terms of how this all unfolds. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit, but we'll see what happens. Place your bets. For Joe Simonera, I'm Shane Curran. That's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, and always bet on yourself. Philly and the Over is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?